Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Web 101. Today we're going to start talking about HTML, the hypertext markup language. HTML is sort of like the scaffolding or the, the meat and potatoes of the web. Uh, HTML defines the structure and content of a web page. So content is text, images, links, media assets, videos, sound files, animations, these types of stuff. The stuff you see and interact with on a web page. And the structure defines the basic formatting and semantic meaning of elements. So for example, in the header section of an HTML document, you would have a title element. And this title element would define the title for the web page. This is typically shown on the tab, or if you just have a single window for um, a, uh, if you just have a single window for the web page, then it is uh, what you see at the at the top of the page. Um, programs can analyze sort of the structure and uh, of the document to derive meaning about stuff. So if something is bold, maybe a screen reader could read it with emphasis. Um, if uh, something is uh, denoted with uh, H1, H2, H3 tags, then maybe the web page or some program could turn those into an automated outline of the document. Um, headers in a table, uh, the table header element, could be used by screen readers again to describe the data to visually impaired people. So there's lots of information about the structure of a document that can be derived from uh, the HTML elements. There's a lot of different pieces that sort of make up HTML and, and today uh, in 2020, when we're talking about HTML, we're, we're talking about life after HTML5. Uh, HTML5 was finished as a specification in uh, 2014, and since then has become really a living specification. I don't know that there's really going to be an HTML6. Um, and what we have today is substantially different than what we had in 2014 uh, when HTML5 was sort of like finished as a standard. So the W3C really likes specifications that sort of have a beginning, middle, and end, and a fixed stuff. And the Watwug uh, HTML working group uh, really was in favor of this um, living standard for HTML. And they came to a conclusion and an agreement fairly recently, actually, that said, okay, we're going to do the living standard thing. And the documentation now for HTML is just this is the HTML standard as it is today, um, which is which is pretty interesting. So when we talk about HTML, there are a bunch of different pieces that kind of fall under the broad umbrella of HTML itself. There's the markup itself, all of the tags and elements that we have, but there's all sorts of all other little pieces of it that kind of stick onto it. Um, there's web sockets and web workers, uh, audio and video. Uh, two-dimensional animations with canvases, um, web storage, uh, web SQL, and, and then there's all sorts of stuff that's even outside of sort of the specification but is very tightly tied to HTML. And these are things like CSS, JavaScript, SVG, um, just there's tons, tons of other little pieces about it. So 
for the next couple of episodes, we're really just going to be focusing on the HTML markup itself. So this is one of the situations where um, doing uh, a technical podcast like this is a little bit different than doing a video series. Um, I have videos for all of these episodes. And uh, while I definitely do not want to say that the video is the preferred method, there may be times when it's really helpful to go look at the videos. Um, but I will make a, a really great effort with these, uh, the audio sections of this to describe as best I can with words uh, what is inherently a visual um, medium. So HTML itself is a set of, and, and this really gets back to you, like what is a markup language? A markup language takes some content and marks it up in some ways. I mean, like if you think back to grade school when you had a paper, somebody would mark it up by highlighting it or underlining it or circling things. And so there's the content and then there are pieces added to the content to emphasize, describe and add meaning to the content. And this is the markup. Uh, this gets back to sort of where HTML got its inspiration from. So SGML back in the 60s and 70s came out with this idea of, okay, well, let's have some text, you know, hello world. And in order to tell the interpreter how to deal with this text, we're going to surround this text with some tags. And we're going to have an opening tag and a closing tag. And... A tag is going to be denoted by a less than symbol, some letters, usually a word, and then a greater than symbol. So there's sort of this opening, you know, less than symbol, and then some words or some letters. So in this case, we'd have title, and then we'd have a, uh, a greater than symbol sort of closing that tag. And this would be what we would call our opening tag. The closing tag is pretty similar, except right after that start character, the less than symbol, we're also going to have a slash. And then we're going to have the same word, the name of the tag, so title in this case, and then we'll have the greater than symbol. So it's balancing out the opening tag with just the addition of the forward slash right after the initial character so you've got that less than symbol and then the forward slash and that denotes the closing tag in between the tags the start tag and the end tag you've got the content in this case we've got some text content but you could have other content in here um, so we've got our hello world and then all three of these pieces together the opening tag the content and the closing tag form our element i'm going to be really cognizant and try my best to talk about elements and tags separately but um, I've been doing this a long time and there is a tendency to use tags and elements interchangeably they most certainly are not the tag is either that opening bit or the closing bit and you should really properly say an opening tag or a closing tag uh, the element is the whole piece together as a logical object um, but I will almost certainly slip up and say, oh, well, look at, go look at the title tag. I'm really probably in that situation talking about the title element and not just the opening tag of the title element. Uh, so please forgive me, and if you uh, catch me on that, go ahead and call me out in comments or Twitter, and I will try to fix it as, as best I can, especially anywhere where I've written it, because uh, 
in the audio versions and the recorded videos. If I slip up, I'm probably not going to go back and re-record it just to correct myself because I'll just screw up in some other place. But uh, especially for the, the written content, either the blog posts or comments and show notes and that type of stuff, I really do want to make sure that those are as accurate as possible. Not all elements need a closing tag. Uh, this is what separates HTML from XHTML, which we'll look at very briefly here. Um, but if you had a paragraph tag, for example, um, the paragraph element is started with a opening paragraph tag, and this is just the letter P. So here is a tag that doesn't have, uh, it's not a full word. So there's just, you know, the, the, the paragraph tag is denoted by just a less than symbol, the letter P, and a greater than symbol. By the way, these tag names do not have to be case sensitive. They are case insensitive. You could have uppercase, you could have lowercase, you could have mixed case. I find myself personally that lowercase tags just read better. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I grew up kind of on the internet and all caps still sound, feels like shouting. And when I'm staring at a bunch of markup, which is all caps, it feels like somebody's being very loud at telling me what their markup should be. So uh, I personally prefer uh, all lowercase letters. I have seen markup where everything is sort of title case. So you'd have a, a capital P for a paragraph tag and a capital B in your body tag, but then lowercase O-D-Y. So you'd have a capital, you know, capitalized words. Um, certainly less uh, jarring to me than all uppercase, but still, I don't know. I, I, I prefer, and most places I've seen, and I think most people do prefer the lowercase version. If you're an uppercase person, by all means, go for it. But our paragraph elements, so we can have a, a, a tag, an opening tag, and a closing tag for our paragraph. So we could have that, you know, open P, and then have a bunch of words denoting the text of our paragraph, that content, and then have our uh, closing tag denoted with that forward slash following the less than symbol, and then our P, and then our greater than symbol. But the HTML specification says you don't have to have a closing tag. HTML is smart enough to know that, like, if you start another element after th the interpreter saw an opening paragraph tag, it knows that you wanted to close that paragraph tag. And so it's fine. The interpreter will just do that for you. You don't have to have closing tags for every single element. There are some elements that do require it, and we can look at the specifications here in a little bit to see, like, what are some of the elements that require closing tags and which ones don't. Um, so if we had a little block of HTML text, um, so say we've got an opening body tag, and then we have just some text content words, and then we had a opening paragraph tag, some more text, and then we have a closing body tag. Which pieces of this are part of the body tag? Which pieces of this are part of a paragraph tag? So in this case, the first bit of text would not actually be part of a paragraph tag. It would just be the content of the body tag. Then we've got an opening paragraph tag. And then we got content. So the content following an open tag is going to be the content of its most recent opening tag. So that second bit of text in this example would be the content of a paragraph element. And then we'd have a closing body tag, which would implicitly close the paragraph uh, element as well. 
So we've got an opening tag, which begins our body element. We've got some text. Then we have an opening paragraph tag, which we begins a, uh, a paragraph block. Some more text, which is inside the paragraph, which is itself inside the body. Then we don't have a closing paragraph tag, but that paragraph element is implicitly closed when we explicitly close our body element. So this is another situation where, like, how do you know all this? How can you check on this? Do I just Google and say, can I do this and trust Stack Overflow when it says sure? No, you want to look at the specification. So there is another specification for this. This is that living specification. Um, and this is uh, at html.spec.whatwg. This is the WATWIG, the, the Web and HTML Working Group, .org. Um, and these links are all in the show notes, so don't worry about it. But this is where the living uh, documentation for um, for the web looks like. So, I mean, if if we wanted to go look at um, this in in a web browser, uh, this is what the website looks like. Uh, again, if you're on the podcast version, just go to the the show notes and sort of like uh, sort of follow along with this. But it's just an HTML document that contains all of the HTML specifications. And we can come in here and look at uh, section four, describes the HTML elements. And if we looked at um, section 4.3.1 defines the body element. And this is uh, what that would look like. And we'll cover that in a little bit too. Actually, in this episode, in a couple more slides, I've got more on the body element itself. Uh, so I do want to just talk briefly about XML and XHTML. Uh, sort of in the late 90s, early 2000 area, um, XML uh, sort of came onto the scene as this very, very rigid and explicit um, format for formatting documents. And it really led to a lot of really new and interesting applications, one of the most uh, applicable for us today in, in this setting is RSS because RSS forms the backbone of what it is to be a podcast. Um, and RSS is defined by an XML specification. And the folks that sort of were coming up with XML were looking at sort of the loose nature of HTML and how different browsers were rendering things very differently and looking at that saying like, boy, if everything was just XML, and if we had XHTML, then there couldn't be so much of this looseness of, of the web. Um, in my opinion, fortunately, I'm glad that X, XML and XHTML didn't win out and that HTML is much more forgiving because it, again, allows for that ubiquity of the web content all over the place. And, you know, I don't have to write excruciatingly precise HTML in order for a browser to show the content. So HTML today is not XML compliant. We don't have namespaces. It's a vastly more forgiving parser than uh, XML is. Um, there is XHTML, and that, of course, is XML compliant. Um, I don't really know that much out there today deals with XHTML as a thing. The browsers are, you know, certainly HTML compatible. Uh, that's the thing I'll probably have to go look up here after the show is, is you know, it's like, do modern browsers even deal with XHTML anymore? Um, but in that situation, you would have to have 
Uh, all tags have to be opened and closed explicitly. If you had a void element where you didn't have a closing tag, you would have to sort of self-close it. We'll look at that in, in void elements. But uh, mostly it's just one of those things. Know that XHTML exists, but by and large, you don't have to deal with it. So just like not all elements have to have a closing tag, not all elements have to have content. So there's a break element, uh, and this is going to be the BR tag. So you've just got your less than symbol, BR, and then a greater than symbol. And that's our break tag. Uh, and the break element acts as a new line character for HTML. Uh, one of the things about the HTML specification is that most white space is ignored. So if I just have a bunch of text and then a whole bunch of space and a bunch of new lines and then a bunch more text, when the HTML rendering engine renders that, it condenses all of that white space, multiple spaces and runs of uh, new line characters into just a single space. So if you want to break up text into paragraphs or whatever, you have to use markup of some sort. You can do this with a BR tag, you can do this with a paragraph tag, lots of other tags. But the BR tag doesn't have any content. Uh, similarly, there's an HR tag, the horizontal rule, and this element draws a line across the page, but it doesn't have any content, and it doesn't necessarily need um, a closing tag. Um, the image tag and the image element um, that's a situation where actually, you know, it almost is synonymous because the opening tag for the image element is the only markup involved. There's no content and there's no closing tag. Um, that's one of those situations where you'll find me frequently talking about image tags and image elements interchangeably, but they are still very slightly different. Uh, but an image element would show a image in the browser or tell some client that, hey, there's an image here, maybe you want to download it, or whatever. But there's no content, there's no closing tag for it. So these types of elements are called void elements, and the specification says they must not have closing tags. So the next thing that we're going to look at in uh, the HTML stuff is attributes. So within the opening tag of an element, you can have other information. Um, so attributes always have to be within the element's opening tag. You can't put attributes in the closing tag. And you can't really put attributes in the content because you could see them. Attributes always have a name. So in the example of an image element, the opening tag for the image element, uh, and this is just IMG, uh, will say image, but it's not spelled out. It's just IMG. Um, and so you're, you're going to end up with other pieces inside the image, uh, the opening image tag. So you need to tell the browser or the interpreter, where are you going to get this image? And so there is an attribute in here called the source. And this is abbreviated just SRC. And so you'll have a less than symbol, IMG, a space. So all attributes are separated within the opening tag by spaces. And then we're going to define our source attribute. So SRC Attributes can have values, and if they do, there's going to be a key value pair with a attribute name, the equal sign, and then a string containing the value of that attribute. So for the source of our image, we would have src equals, and then some quotes, uh, you know, foo.gif, 
and then a close quotes, and that would define our attribute to say, hey, this is where you're going to get the source for this image from. Uh, attribute values can be surrounded by single quotes, double quotes, or nothing, depending on the content of the value. So in our case, if we just had foo.gif, the interpreter would know to deal with that uh, without quotes. But if your uh, attribute value needed to have spaces within it, then because the space would be interpreted as the end of an attribute, you would have to surround the entire content of an, that attribute with, with quotes. Um, this would be something like in an image, you should have a alt tag in, or an alt, they call them alt tags, but it's not alt tags. It's an alt attribute. There's an alternate attribute within the image element that would describe visually what this image is for anybody with accessibility concerns. Um, and so since descriptions for images typically involve more than one word and spaces and stuff, you would need to have that alt attribute value surrounded with double quotes. Well, not necessarily double quotes, but quotes of some kind. Um, so real briefly, we're going to start with, you know, some of the core HTML elements themselves. And we're going to cover, there are a lot of HTML elements. We will not cover all of them, but we will go into an awful lot of them over the course of the episodes. Uh, but today, um, we'll, we'll concentrate on just a couple. But broad picture, there are lots of different groups of elements. Um, so the HTML specification defines them in these categories. And almost everything is a flow element. Lots of things are phrasing elements. There are embedded elements, heading elements, section elements, interactive elements, and then metadata elements. And metadata elements are the one that sort of like kind of go in and out. There are some metadata elements that are not flow elements, but just about everything is, uh, is a flow element. Elements can belong to multiple categories. So an element doesn't necessarily belong in just one category. Uh, and the sort of Venn diagram nature of this says that, you know, all phrasing elements are also flow elements. Um, and mostly we're going to be dealing with flow and phrasing elements. So how do we know if something is a flow element or a phrasing element or a sectioning element? Uh, the HTML specification tells us this. So if we go back and we look at section 4.3.1 of the HTML specification, we can look at the body element. And here we can see that the category for the body element is a sectioning root, and that the content model for this is flow content. And the content model says, what are allowable content pieces for this particular element? So if I've got a body element, the only elements that I can put inside of the body are things that are flow, flow content. And this kind of makes sense because this is the body. So there, if there's something that's not flow content or uh, you know, can't be represented in some way, it doesn't really belong in the body. And so there are certain um, metadata elements that should only, and specification-wise, can only be uh, living in, for example, the head. There's a whole long list of like, hey, what's all the flow content? Well, there's a lot of different flow contents. Um, so, you know, the anchor tag, abbreviations, all of the various headers, um, bold and breaks, and uh, I don't know. There's, there's a whole lot of elements. I'm not going to read them all off. 
But again, like if you go look at the specification and I'll, I've got all of this stuff in the show notes uh, in terms of, you know, direct links to section 3.2.5.2.2 flow content. We've also got phrasing content, which is a uh, subset of this. Uh, phrasing content is the text of the document as well as elements that mark up text in an intraparagraph level. Runs of phrasing content form paragraphs. Uh, and this is all sort of a you know fancy way of saying this is the content of the 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 the, the web page. This is what you'll see and interact with. Pre-HTML5, there were really only kind of two categories. They were broadly grouped into these things called block elements and these things called inline elements. Um, and HTML5 tries to do a much better way of separating the logical structure of the document from the display. Um, there was a, a time, and, and we'll, we'll look at this more when we look at CSS in, in, in greater detail later, where the web people and the web community didn't know how we wanted to do visual markup. Um, the, the web sort of grew out of formatting academic and scientific papers and documentation. And it really wasn't until a couple years on, uh, in the late nineties, early two thousands, that a lot of other people got on board and like, you know what, we could have non-scientific and non-academic stuff in this and sort of, you know, pre-social media, pre-YouTube, you had uh, online shopping was sort of the, the first big thing that hit the internet and the, the first internet.com boom uh, of the late 90s where people realized, wow, we can, we can sell stuff on this thing called the web. And there was this huge desire to make things look like not academic, not scientific papers. Um, but, you know, early on, there were these block elements and these inline elements and the block elements were mostly grouped by how they displayed in the browser. So a block fills the entire width of the browser window or the, the width of its container and has a, uh, a line break above it and below it. Um, browsers will likely continue to render like this, but the specification really doesn't say anything about uh, block elements as a category. Each element individually is now defined by uh, the specification as to, to how it should be displayed. But if we, if we do want to look at, you know, what were a couple block elements, uh, paragraphs were block elements, block quotes were block elements, uh, lists, either unordered lists or ordered lists. Um, and a lot of these things you can kind of look at and kind of squint and be like, yeah, I can see why block quote got its own element uh, early on because, hey, scientific and academic papers have lots of quoting of other scientific and, and academic papers. And so, you know, you, you've got things in the specification and tags for stuff like block quote and citation, but you don't have things for like e-commerce checkout or uh, telephone number or, or things like this. Um, and you've got lots of lists and, and way to, to, to display data. You know, one of the earliest things that we use to organize and, and do stuff on the web were tables because, boy, scientific papers and academic papers really love data tables. So there were table references and, and, and tags for dealing with tables very early on. We also have inline elements. And so these are elements that do not break the flow of whatever content they're embedded in. So if we have an opening paragraph tag, 
we might have a long run of text and then we might have something to say, hey, I want this next piece to be emphasized in some way. So we could have a strong, uh, an opening strong tag, some more text, a closing strong tag, defining a strong element within our paragraph element. Um, there's a wonderful element that I love, the mark element, which is highlighting something. Um, and we could have images. Images are actually inline elements because originally images were really tiny and could be displayed right in line with the text. Uh, and really, it wasn't until much later in the web that, uh, you know, remember, bandwidth at, at, in the early Internet was very constrained. And so sending an image was, you know, very time consuming. And so images were really small and limited. And it wasn't until, you know, much later that images sort of took over. There are a, other, a couple other uh, pieces within an HTML document that aren't necessarily HTML. Uh, and the most notable of this is the doc type. So at the very beginning of an HTML page, you will very frequently see this. Uh, it's a page element, but it's not an HTML element. This thing called a doc type. And it looks kind of like an opening tag, except there's this exclamation point in the in the front of it, and and that's like weird. But it tells the parser, "Hey, look at me. Deal with me differently than an HTML element." And so the parser sees this less than symbol, an exclamation point, and then the word doc type, and then something. Uh, and the doc type piece kind of could contain attributes, although they're not really key value pairs. They're just words. And then there's ultimately a greater than symbol to sort of end this uh, piece. But there at no place is a closing doc type. So again, this is not an HTML element. It's not a tag. Um, it's literally just called the doc type. Uh, and this tells the rendering engine what kind of markup to expect. So again, remember that the web has been around now for almost 30 years. And the HTML markup has evolved over the course of that time a lot. So we started off with HTML 1 and 2, 3, 4. We kind of lived with HTML 4 and 4.1 for a long time, really um, from the late 90s all the way through almost 2010. HTML 5 sort of started as a thing in 2007, 2008, but as, as an idea and, and, a, and sort of a talking point. But browser support for this specification that didn't really exist and was really just being talked about started to sort of peter in 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 late 2000 or you know late 2000s early 2010s uh, and you know by 2014 when it was finally sort of finalized and, and became the living specification browsers finally started to support it. But prior to then, you had people that said, well, I'm going to make my HTML with HTML 4.1, and I'm going to make my HTML with HTML 3. whatever, and now I'm going to have mine as HTML 5. And so the HTML 5 doc type is just doc type space HTML, nice and simple, um, whereas the HTML 4.1 transitional doc type is this god-awful long thing that we used to have to put into all of our pages otherwise internet explorer would render tables weird and the background would be gray instead of white or all sorts of bizarre things um and i th it'll be interesting to see like you know is the doc type going to exist in another 5 years is there going to be like doc type html6 someday because the html specification has 
diverted, diverged so much from where we are today, uh, it's really hard to predict the future. But, um, you know, where we are at today, your HTML pages will almost assuredly have a doc type at the beginning, and they should all at this point be just doc type HTML saying, hey, I'm HTML5 compliant. So following that, we've got the HTML element. So this is the root, uh, you know, first official HTML element that we've got, and it is called HTML. This is the root element of our HTML tree. Uh, you can't have anything before it except for comments, uh, white space, and the doc type. Again, it's not really an element. So you can't have other HTML elements outside of the HTML element. Uh, HTML elements themselves are only allowed to have two children. Um, a, uh, a head element and a body element. Um, oh, I've got a typo in my slide. Um, yeah, it should be one head element and one body element. Um, and, you know, from the specification, if we read it, an HTML element's short start tag can be omitted if the first thing inside of the HTML element is not a comment. And an HTML element's end tag can also be omitted if the HTML element is not immediately followed by a comment. So as you can see, the specification allows for all sorts of flexibility with uh, the HTML text. It's like, eh, I know you, you, you didn't put HTML, uh, an HTML open tag in there, but I know you wanted to, and, and, and I'm just going to add one in there. You know, that's what the browser looks at when, it's, when it doesn't see something. Browsers are so incredibly forgiving about bad markup. It's really nice. So one of the two elements that you can have inside of HTML is a head element. Um, so we've got an opening head tag, and then inside of this, you could have meta elements, base elements. You've got to have a title element, um, links, scripts, all sorts of other stuff that, you know, in general isn't displayed anywhere. The title is the only piece of content within the head that's, you know, visually sort of apparent someplace, but it's not within the body. It doesn't occur or it doesn't show up anywhere inside the, the actual content of the web page. Um, and that title element is the only required element within the head. So you don't have to have anything else, but if you didn't have a title element, uh, a HTML parse checker would say, hey, this is not valid HTML. You've got to have a title element. You can also have a body. You don't have to have a body. Your HTML page could, I think, just be empty. Um, but the body is where you put your entire page. So the, the body element represents all of the visible and interactable and, you know, hearable or seeable content of a web page. So, for example, you might have an image um, from something. You might have a form so, you know, if I was the Google homepage, for example, I've got my image of, you know, whatever the, the Google Doodle of the day is, and I've got my text box to type into, and I've got a button that says, go find something. Um, and I can type into that text area, I can click the search button, and interact with this web page. So we've talked about nested elements sort of implicitly, but I do want to touch a little bit on them, uh, you know, in, in a little bit of detail. So when we talked and we looked at the, uh, the HTML specification a little bit to say, hey, what is allowable content for this? We saw like a list of other tags that could be allowed within a particular element. 
So if we were to visually sort of like draw out a tree structure of, uh, you know, parent elements with child elements, you've got HTML at the, at the top. Within the HTML element, you are only allowed to have head elements and body elements. And then within the head element, you have to have a title. And within the body element, you should have something. Otherwise, your page is going to be empty. Um, and so that's where you would put uh, other elements. Uh, and then those elements can have other elements. Those elements can have other, other elements. So you can end up with some very, very deeply nested um, element tree structures. And that is how HTML works. You know, stuff goes inside of other things, which goes inside of other things, which goes inside of other things, which eventually is inside of the HTML uh, element. Um, and it's, you know, if, if you were to look at a particular web page, you could have a paragraph element. And just like we, we talked about earlier, if I want something to be italicized or bolded, I could have M tags. Uh, start M tags and an M, M tag around some text for emphasis. And I could have strong tags surrounding uh, some content to um, say, hey, this should be, you know, given some sort of weight. And all of those could be inside of a paragraph element. And when that's rendered, it just reads as one sentence, but you can see different sections being treated differently by the interpreter. Uh, nested elements must be, or the tags for nested elements must be balanced in a last in first out manner. So if I open a paragraph tag and then I open an EM tag for emphasis, and then I want to do something else, I have to close my emphasis first. I couldn't close my paragraph tag. Um, and it would be really bad if, for example, I opened a paragraph tag opened an emphasis tag, opened a strong tag, and then tried to close my emphasis tag before I closed my strong tag. Um, and so, you know, once you've opened a tag, with some exceptions, again, you know, like we talked earlier about the paragraph tag doesn't have to have a closed tag. You can have an implicit closed tag for paragraphs. But um, there are other ones where the parser doesn't know oh, well, if you opened a strong tag, did you want me to stop emphasizing it? Or should it be emphasis and strong? I don't know. You need to tell me. Um, and sort of as an exercise for the, the listener, you know, what would browsers do if the elements are incorrectly nested? This is one of those things where it's the specification doesn't necessarily define it. And so different browsers may do this differently. Um, this is something that when I taught this class, uh, I actually gave students as a homework assignment, you know, to, you know, describe what this, what this happened. So I'll leave that up to sort of the listeners a little bit, and maybe I'll try to put a example or some screenshots in the show notes of this uh, at, a, at a later point to say, hey, like, what, what do browsers do when things aren't the way that they're supposed to be? Uh, that, I think, is a good place to sort of stop for today. Um, you've got a lot of words thrown at you, uh, HTML, tags, elements, attributes, phrasing content, flow content, uh, you know, nested tags, nested elements. And there are uh, so many different uh, just tags in general that we're probably going to spend the next 
many episodes going over the intricacies of just a whole lot of tags. Um, so stick with me and uh, we'll go ahead and play with this some more and uh, we'll talk with you next time.